Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command a stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. to another episode of Optimal Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II. Back at it again. Back at it with another fascinating entrepreneur. And today's topic may be a little different than what you would expect to hear on a podcast with health. But as you know, um, health is connected with everything. And when I talk about health, health is a system. And so yes, there's nutrition. Yes, there is working out. There's also our businesses. There's also the people you lead. And in 2021, personal branding. Now, I don't really like this word. I don't really like to put myself out there that much. I prefer to stay low key. But the world we live in now, to have a a healthy career, you're going to have to put yourself out there a little bit. People buy from you now, even if you have a big company. So with that said, I have a personal branding expert on. He is the host of the personal branding playbook. Excuse the phone, but that's the world we live in now. Uh, He is a he has SaaS companies. He's a podcast expert. He's a speaker. He's on a mission to help a thousand experts grow their personal brand. Unfortunately, he's a Lakers fan as well, but that's okay. <laughs> My dad is d- smiling down right now about this. I'm not. I'm still salty about them beating the Sixers, but I am here with none other than Chris Hines, better known as Coach Chris. How's it going, man? Man, thank you for having me. Appreciate the intro. Um, yeah, man, I'm a Lakers fan. If y'all can see the video, I got some amazing Kobe art behind me. You know, the, the, the Mr. Bean, the legend. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I, I couldn't wait to be on this show. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Man, we got to talk about basketball a little bit. I remember I was watching a game and, you know, the Lakers were undefeated until that time. The Sixers came in and they won game one. I was talking trash like crazy <laughs> to everyone. Because Iverson was one of my favorite players. I had number three. That was my basketball number because of Iverson. I had braids and everything. And I was talking so much trash. Oh, and my then- God. That's hilarious. You know what's funny? What's funny? <laughs> I met Allen Iverson before that game. Wow. There's a hill out in, uh, I think it's by Manhattan Beach, if I'm not mistaken. It's called Sand Dune Hill. Anybody mm-hmm. from L.A. know what I'm talking about? It's a massive hill of sand it's like a mountain of sand westbrook works out there harden has been there all nba players go there to work out back then even in the early 2000s nba players are going there to work out so my family were there this day and i just see a bunch of people run up the stairs it's like huge guys so you can tell don't run a lot and inside of the group of people it's alan iverson and i'm like he's out here running up here before game one of the finals and I couldn't even get an autograph because he's like working out and I didn't want to be like annoying. But that was like one of the first situations where I met a celebrity NBA player. He just like, what's up, little man? And just kept running. I was like, all right, man, that's enough for me. I'm happy with that. He acknowledged me. So that was like a really cool moment of my life. That was just one moment where I met NBA players. Like I'm, the reason why I'm a, I'm a fan of the Lakers is because I grew up in L.A., but I actually yeah. met Kobe and Shaq. So mm-hmm. that kind of is part of my fandom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, I can't. My hate is not salty like like a lot of the Philly fans where it's just vile. But uh, it's just, man, um, I just got tired of the Lakers like just dominating at that time. It's like, man, they were dominating. But that team was stacked. But also, yeah. you know, when you see NBA players just playing right before a game, you're like, how do they do that? But then you hear Michael Jordan, who was golfing before a game, there's levels to this basketball. 
Like this is why yeah. like I have a hard time calling any NBA player trash because oh I, man I hate I, that I like I played against like the tenth man he ended up being like a probably like an eighth or a ninth man on the rotation NBA player and they absolutely worked us made me oh, question yeah. made me question <laughs> if I even knew how to play basketball at all. <laughs> Yes, being in LA, you it happens a lot, man. If you just go to the right places, that's something that happens a lot. Is you end up hooping with NBA players or guys that are in the G League, even or play overseas, and these guys are amazing. Pros are pros for a reason. I can tell you one NBA player that is actually really, really good and super underrated to me is Nick Young. Like Nick Young has skills he can really really play he's very lazy on defense but he will get buckets i can tell you that yeah yeah so he he's the opposite of of one of my favorite players which i gotta let him go which is ben simmons i gotta let him go oh man i, I, I gotta let him go i gotta i gotta i gotta quit falling in love with potential you know it's, it's, <laughs> it, i think about the, i think about this like dating you know there's this girl you're like oh man she she marks everything off the box except this one thing and you just keep hoping that yeah. she's gonna turn that around you just gotta let it go. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Just gotta. I, I don't. Th- I think if he was gonna develop and grow more, he would at least make some kind of progress until now. But mm-hmm. he's pretty much the same player he was when he got drafted. So, I, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because I really appreciate people who can get after it on defense. I really appreciate that. But yeah, because it's rare. Yeah, but they made me. I got so mad. Well, not mad, but just like I, was, I can't believe what I just saw. I quit watching. The Sixers probably after the game they blew the first game they blew. I was like, oh no, I'm not watching this. Yeah, I know, I know where this is going. But Ooh. um, but as we move on, you mentioned from the L.A. area, and I always like to go back in the past before we start stay in the present and go to the future. So, what are like two to three things from childhood that shaped you into who you are today? Oh man, I would say the first thing was just um, honestly developing street smarts, you know, and. Street smarts are what I learned is it's not just about being able to survive on the streets. You know, it's also people skills. It's really overall people skills, you know, knowing how to talk to this person, how to talk to that person. You know, um, I think growing up where I grew up in Watts, you learn how to communicate very effectively if you want to survive. So I had to learn how to have conversations with the gang members to make sure I was going to make it home. All right. But then I also had to know how to talk to my teachers so they know that I'm taking classes seriously, you know. And then I even had the privilege of I would go to UCLA to play basketball. I even had a job there for a summer. So I I was lucky enough to see the outside world and know what I wanted to kind of experience outside of that part of my life. Um, So I would say the first thing was developing people skills, man. Like that's so underrated. Just knowing how to talk to somebody like because now we can talk in 50 different ways. So. Very few people can hold a conversation with somebody in person, like, and yes. not be awkward and not stumble over themselves repeatedly, not forget what they want to say. So effective communication is just so important, man. Um, that was just the first thing. Um, and then I, th- I think another one is self-awareness. You know, I've always known it wasn't for me. And I was okay with not doing certain things, with not going certain places, um, even wearing certain things. I know it is not for me. And I'm okay with that. I believe that you got to know your boundaries for yourself and be okay with it. Some people may not like it. You may get made fun of for it. Whatever it is, you will be all right. Be yourself. <laughs> so so uh, really just communication, self-awareness are top two for me, man. So important. Yeah, I can relate to the uh, the people skills in the street smarts because I was the exact opposite. Um, like, I, <laughs> like I was the exact the exact opposite so um you know i grew up in a fairly like suburban academic academic place and everything and so um when i first started like this entrepreneurial online world like writing and everything like i was so proper even when i spoke to people mm. even when i text i was so proper like i'm using semicolons uh, I'm using, <laughs> uh, uh, you know like and i still have a habit of doing that sometimes when i like text and I, i'm trying to break that habit but like i was just so formal and a lot can go over people's head when you don't have just that intuitive street smarts people skills to really relate to people on on a um on a, on that level so yeah yeah i think it's something that has to be learned um i will say number 3 for me i want to put this in there too is relationship skills you know it, it was certain gang members in my neighborhood that i had to know 
you know, no, I don't want to be a gang member. I don't want to be a part of whatever y'all got going on. But I have to know these guys because if somebody else comes over here, I need to know, okay, these are the guys. If somebody else isn't here, then it's that's that's awareness right there. Okay, that guy isn't usually here. Also, once they get to know you, they'll, they'll leave you alone for the most part. Like, oh, you, you go to school, you play ball, we'll leave you alone. You got something that's going to always bother you. But for the most part, they leave you alone after you kind of make them aware. Like, look. I'm not on that. And you built that relationship. So um, those relationship skills there actually helped me do what I'm doing now with my software. For example, now I'm working with companies like Spotify and Facebook um, on my own software product for podcasters. So everything I learned growing up in Watts, I'm still using now in the business world. So um, I, I don't, I, I think it's a privilege being from where I'm from. Actually, I look at it as not a burden. It's more of a privilege because I had to develop faster, you know, I had to learn how to be a, a better person early on. If I did not, I wouldn't be here right now. I, I really do love that attitude because I, I'm of the firm belief, and I've talked to people from all walks of life now, that wherever you were born, however your upbringing, there is some advantages to that. No matter the situation, there is some advantages that you can put out of that. And, and like this is, like you said, made you a much more refined networker and relationship builder yeah. from the start. Like I had, I read books looked at people, studied people, asked questions to learn how to network people and, and be more like a, a people person, you know? So I, I think that's, that's awesome to hear right there. Um, so how'd you, you know, I think I've first came across your radar a few years ago and you were talking with, with like podcasting at the very beginning. What yeah. made you, what made you stick with podcasting when it wasn't popular? Because a lot of people have this instant gratification thing to where they'll jump from thing to thing. And it's the same thing. If you're thinking about health now, they'll jump from diet to diet, plan to plan. It's just this thing here. Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't want to stick with podcasting for a while. I was kind of like against it. I didn't want to be known as the podcast guy. Cause I thought that was putting myself in a box then I learned that it's actually not because when you create boundaries, you get more freedom, right? So uh, for me, it was because I started off talking about basketball, you know, um, and then in my first month of having my first show, I was able to get sponsored. And mind you, it was only like 10 bucks an episode, right? But I was doing three episodes a week. So that was 30 bucks a week. And I was excited to just be getting paid to talk about basketball. It's not like it was something I hadn't done my entire life. Like at that time I was, my whole life revolved around basketball. I was a coach, a youth coach. I was training. I was playing professionally. Um, I was doing writing and podcasting. So my entire life from when I woke up to went to sleep was basketball. Um, and, and then when I realized that I could do more, that's when I said, okay, well, let me take this outside of basketball and go into another area. That's when I started uh, the Key to Success podcast. And I just wanted to interview people who made a lot of money. That was it. Like That's all I cared <laughs> about. And, and it actually worked. I got to talk to a lot of amazing people. Um, one of my favorite interviews I've done to this day was with uh, Zoe Williams. Um, he works with uh, I think it's Dash Radio. And um Man, shout out to Zoe, man. That was a really great interview. And that's when I first learned, like, wow, I could really build something from this. Because that's what he was doing. And I realized I can focus on this and kind of just build. And then a little time after that, I kind of got an insight to where the future of podcasting was going. So I just was determined to stick with it, man. It's been about, man, it was six or seven years. I've lost track at this point, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this hearing that story reminds me of the book, uh, Robert Greene's Mastery. Yes, yes. Yeah. 10 years, yeah. 10 years. Yeah, it just reminds me of that because I, I can relate to that. There's so many different lanes and avenues and brand switches that I wanted to do because I've seen things in my industry that could probably be a more immediate payoff. But I had to. Like, oh, yeah. But I had to, like, stay married to the vision. I guess I don't know any other way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it. Because when I first started podcasting, my mindset was after I stopped telling myself, I, I'm putting myself in a box. Then I mm -hmm. said, okay, what's the ultimate ceiling for me as a podcaster? Okay, you have a good show. You talk to a lot of famous people. That's it. Then I had to think a little different. I'm like, well, wait, it got to be something bigger. That's when I had the idea of software. I'm like, I got to have my own software or buy some or invest in some, some kind of way. Because that's how a lot of the millions and billions are being made. So 
that's when I put in my mind, I'm going to have two software tools. I want to have a podcast network. I did that already once already. We could talk about that and that failed, but now I'm doing it again at a higher level. Um, so really, honestly, at this point, I've accomplished everything I've set out to accomplish as a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you say about Robert Greene's Masteries, that's one of my favorite books. I love when he talked about the blacksmith having to be an apprentice for 10 years before he started his own thing. Mm-hmm. I believe now we only really need to commit five years. And I say that because we have more tools to learn. Back then, if you wanted to be a blacksmith, you could only learn from one other blacksmith. Now, if I want to be a blacksmith, I can go on YouTube and watch blacksmith. I can buy blacksmith courses. I can go to blacksmith workshops. And if I do that consistently for five years, I'm going to master it. You know, we have technology, which if you use it to your advantage, you can learn stuff a lot faster, like really, really quick. Um, But I'm with you on mastery 100 percent. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting how in that book, which which stories stand out to us and how you mentioned that one. Like the one for me is always John Coltrane and how John Coltrane studied classical music. And so from early on, that taught me to go outside my normal influences for inspiration and then bring it Mm. back. So that's why still to this day, I don't consume just a lot of health and fitness content. Like I'll read different books and research papers on it. But other than that, I'm reading things on like like design. I'm reading, I'm I'm learning from venture capitalists and and everything and art and then bringing that in. So um, it's a great book. If you can't tell, we both love this book. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. We we promote it for Robert Greene right now, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All his all his books are good, and I'm, I'm sure people know the most popular one. But um, you mentioned two software tools developed, and when we hear software developing, we generally think that you got to be some tech wizard or, or something like that. And are you a tech wizard? I mean, I can say I have tech experience. I'm mm-hmm. not a tech wizard. Like I'll put it this way: I cannot code. No coding. I'm not doing any cybersecurity or none of that. I'm not into tech at all. But I can like build a website from the ground up. You know, I'm more of the marketing, right? And one thing I heard uh, Naval Ravikant say is if you want to build software, if you want to be wealthy, you got to have something that will make you money while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. right? So software SaaS products are at the top of that list. Now, what do you need to build a SaaS product? You either need to know how to code, know how to sell, or know how to market. For me, I know how to market and sell. So then I need to partner with somebody who can code. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, My co-founder, Tony, and I, we connected on LinkedIn in August last year in 2020. And we were just like, yo, look, I have this idea to put together for podcasters. We could do this kind of platform. And he's like, wait, I built something kind of like that a couple of years ago. It's just sitting here. And we've worked together every single week since last year around this time on and now it's it's launching next month in September. It's going to change the podcast world, man. So if you are listening to this, you don't need to know how to code. You need to know how to sell or market, mm-hmm. right? If you know how to do one of those two, you can be successful. Yeah. So as a sneak preview, what's what, what's a little bit about the the um, pr- the um, product? So the first one is Castosity, and this is helping podcasters automate their marketing. So, you know, you can put information in, it spits out literally everything you need to market an episode, right? So after me and you have this interview, you can send me a link to a page and it'll have all the copy to post on social media. It'll have videos and stuff, graphics and all of that. And even offer that you're selling, it'd be right there in the show notes, automatically done, saves you a lot of time as a host. On the other side, we help you create three income streams from your show, whether that's through sponsorship, um, through selling your own products or joint venture partnerships. So it really, again, focuses on those both sides of marketing and selling, right? So if you want to market your show as a podcaster, grow your listenership and then have three income streams. So your show is really taking care of itself. That's exactly what Castosity does.
It's very interesting. It's a very good idea. I like that idea. <laughs> I, I can t- I can tell you I can tell you know the industry because I hear um I, I hear a lot of podcasters talk. And this is like a main thing of like how do I make money from podcasting? How do I make money through my podcasting and everything? Um, and so um, that's it's very good. I, I think that's going to be a slam dunk. Oh, it's I personally, I'm trying not to think too far ahead. Like I'm trying to stay in the moment. You know what I mean? Because again, it's it's something that um, I I really want to take time with because I don't want to be one of those people that's selling something that's false or false advertising, something I didn't do. So when I say create multiple income streams from your show, this is something I've been doing for years now, Mm -hmm. for years. I've done it for my show, for other people's shows I wasn't even on. It's been nonstop. Like I probably generated well over a quarter million dollars through podcasting, not just for my show, obviously, but helping mm-hmm. other people get there too. Um, so that's why I was so focused on getting software done to actually help podcasters because 99% of hosts don't make any money. Yeah. So now I want to help podcasters actually make some money. My goal is to help a podcaster be able to cover their monthly expenses with their show. Just like two to $3,000, that is life-changing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is very much so because, you know, you know, that initial income right there, that two to three thousand that they get through their podcast. Yes, it's going to cover the bills, but it's also going to change your confidence and just the way you feel about yourself. And there's something to be said about momentum. And I, I kind of think about this with health. And there's when you do something that you can't do, like I'm almost done with marathon training here, and that's totally out of my realm of things. And I have a sense of confidence in like my abilities with performance and everything that I, I never had because I've done something mm. really hard. And I think for the podcaster there, and this is for any entrepreneur when you're getting that endeavor, like, and I think I heard, I forgot who said this, that they said at the very beginning of any project service or anything, this is the hardest it's going to be ever. Because as you go along, you're going to have more resources and then you're going to have more of a network, more support to help you. So if you get through this very beginning stage, you're most likely going to make it and get whatever dreams that you want. Oh man, that is a hundred percent true. When I started out podcasting, I didn't have anything. I have a picture of me that I show people all the time. Like I'm putting on stage at PodFest this year and it's me in a bathroom. I have a makeshift table, this little flimsy desk. Uh, Me and my dad put it together like super quick. It wasn't anything fancy. It was like my office. It's me sitting in the bathroom with this makeshift desk and I have no microphone. I have like the old Apple headphones plugged up and you can see I have like my notes on my phone open. Like you can see the shampoo in the background. It's just, it was really just a grimy beginning. Mm -hmm. But um, like what you say, you have to start off like that because Starting that way is what helped me get to the point of knowing people in the industry, having opportunities, and people I connected to then in like 2015 are helping me launch the software now. Mm -hmm. So again, if I can stress anything to the people listening, build relationships. That is, that's one thing that has changed my life. And for a while, I thought I wasn't good at that, but I've been really good at it over time. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I relate to a lot of that. It's, it's, you know, you're holding, I think Bob Proctor says something about hold the image in your head that you want, no matter like your, no matter like your current circumstances or where you are now, like go ahead and be that person. Now dress, dress how you want to dress, how that person would dress or however you see yourself mm-hmm. dressing, go ahead and do all of that. So I've, that's been one of the things that I've really kept in mind lately is to be that person as best as you can right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, not, not only that, but once you start the small way, even if it's one day a week, changes everything. Then you yes. add in certain habits, right? Like for me, what I started doing now is I'll, I'm also a father. So I have my three-year-old with me and I have a four-month-old. And it's just me and them. I'm taking care of them every day, pick up, drop off. I'm making bottles, changing diapers, all of it. Just me still running three different companies. So I had to start setting aside time. On my calendar, I literally set aside time to go to the gym and lift. I set it to, uh, I set aside time to also take naps. To take a nap, I put that on my calendar so nobody can schedule anything. And yeah. I thought it was stupid at first, but now I realize that's one of the smartest things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I um I was going to be part of my next question is, is how do you balance in that? But it seems it sounds like having 
the kids has actually made you much more productive because you realize you don't have as much time to waste. Man, people don't understand kids. I kind of laugh when people that don't have kids talk about what they're going to do when they have kids. Like kids run your schedule. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's kind of inevitable. Yeah. I get it. But it, it's the kids run your schedule. You know, they, if you don't have a system set up for them, they run you. So for me, I'm like, I make the bottles at night. I prepare everything. So when I wake up at three in the morning, four in the morning, I just need to put the formula in there. Boom, boom, boom. We're ready to feed. When it's time to go to school in the morning, I have to play it out at night. I make the lunch at night. So when it's time to go, we just get up, get dressed, brush your teeth. We out the door. Right. So creating systems is something that kids will force you to do. You know, and I'll pick them up from school at three. I know from three to about eight thirty, they need a lot of my attention. So I'm not even trying to work during that time. It's just it wouldn't make sense. That time I'm bathing, you know, uh, probably cleaning up after him because, you know, a three year old is just it's a tornado um, making dinner and stuff, you know, reading, playing games, all of that. So having just a routine in the schedule, even when it comes to like tablet time for the three year old, we have a schedule for that. You know, at six o'clock, she knows the tablet got to go away. You know, and on the weekends, it changes, obviously. But having that routine, man, is just I wouldn't survive without it. I'll be honest with you. I would not survive if I didn't have that routine, man. Yeah, I, I see. So do you think um, the kids has made you more patient, which has then translated to you being able to handle being more patient in business? Or do you think or, or were you already patient before the kids? You know, that's a really good question. And I would say the kids teach you that because as much as we teach our children, they teach us things, too. You know, uh, I think mothers have just because of their nurturing ability, they're more patient than we are as fathers. Right. So when I'm talking to my three year old and she won't listen, it's like, OK, I got to find a way to get her to listen to, so that she understands what I'm saying. So I've had to find ways for us to communicate for me as I'm damn near 30 and she's not even four. So we got to find a way to communicate effectively where I'm not getting stressed out and screaming and stuff. So kids teach you that like as much as you teach your child, they will mm -hmm. teach you. That is a rule I live by. I'm never upset and um, mad at them for not understanding me or anything. I always just take a step back. Like, okay, let me put my mind back into a three-year-old and think the way they would think. And then that helps me come back down to a level. And and when I go into business meetings and I have these different confrontations, I'm always thinking like, I got to look at this from their perspective and think like they would. The same way I do with my kids, the same way. Yeah. And see, and that, I, I bet that's part of your your whole personal brand ethos. And so as we kind of transition into the personal brand, I guess let's initially start like, I think we probably have an idea of what a personal brand is. So what's a personal brand mean to you? I think everybody has their own idea of it. Um, so I, I like to just let people go with that. Whatever your idea of it is, that's fine. But at the core of it, this is the only question I tell people to ask themselves. What value do you provide to the world? Mm -hmm. What value do you provide to the world? Somebody else may do something similar, but they won't do it like you. So what value? And when I say value, I specifically mean what result? How can you actually help people? Um, somebody that is, you know, in construction, they're building things that help the world. Even a comedian, they help people laugh, maybe get their mind off their problems. That's still value to the world. I think when people have these internal conflicts with themselves, it's because at the core, deep down, once you get past all the other BS, they really just don't know their purpose and the value they provide to the world. Mm -hmm. So they feel lost and kind of misplaced and they don't belong anywhere. It's because you don't know how you actually provide value to the world. When you answer that question, a lot of stuff in life just kind of falls into place. Very much so. Very much so. So say someone has that step. That sounds like step one. So basically yeah. your purpose, what are you, what do you bring to the world? Or even maybe what do you want to bring to the world? And maybe you need to acquire those skills. So what's after that? Like what you just said is even if you don't know what you want to bring to the world, now you learn, okay, I want to do this thing. Now you say, okay, and this is part of um, the milestone system, something I created. It's another book I'm, I'm working on. As you can tell, I don't have time to do all the stuff that's in my head. Um, <laughs> but the second step, after you know what it is you want to do, okay, I got to get better at this. I have to figure out who's doing it better than me, who's making money from it, what are they executing consistently, right? What skills do I need? 
And when I, I, I literally took this approach to podcasting, I, I would not be where I am now if I didn't say the same thing to myself five years ago. I literally asked myself, who's a really good podcaster? Like, who's doing it really, really good at the top of the game? Who's making money from it? Because that's ultimately that's what we want to do. Like, let's not lie to ourselves like money isn't important. Don't don't <laughs> lie to yourself. Let's be real. We all want to make money. Ain't nothing wrong with it. And And then when you get to the skills part, that's where most people stop. Oh, man, I don't know how to do this. And they give up and go on to something else. The truth is, the next thing you go to, you're not going to know how to do that either. No. So at some point, you're going to have to stop and sit down and say, okay, I got to get better at this thing. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to commit to getting better at this. And every 90 days, you focus on a different skill. After a year, you've got four new high-quality skills in that one particular area that are going to make you reach the next level. So in my uh, book, The Personal Branding Playbook, that's literally what's broken down is these are four things you do to build your personal brand. Every 90 days, you go to a different one. After a year, you will not recognize your brand. You, It's just you go to a different level in life. And for me, I did this over four years. I didn't do it over just three months. And then three months, I didn't do that. I did it over four years before I put this book out. Um, which is why I got the 400 episodes first because I didn't want to rush it and just say, Hey, go and do this. If I don't know it works, if I hasn't been successful for me, I had to put together the whole process. So if you don't know how to do something, sit down and learn the top five skills that you need to figure out and then focus on one at a time. That's going to change your life forever. Yeah. It sounds, you know, we, you probably see this a lot that maybe, I don't know. You know, I've, I've seen this, that maybe someone, Trans changes their health in a little bit, and then now they have a they have a product out about it. Maybe someone, <laughs> I, I don't know, they get they make a few thousand dollars, and then they're teaching money and and stuff. And or someone starts a podcast, they got fifty episodes, and now they're teaching you how to do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, we we see it a lot, man. That's a trend. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Part of me, I, I guess, this, you know, this is the, 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 the compassion part of me, and, and you know, reading Buddhism books and everything. I, I'm at least like, at least they're trying to do something. They're being a pro- productive citizen of the world. So I try not to, you know, I was like, whatever. At least they're trying to do something. But then I also kind of wonder the people who buy that kind of stuff, are they going to be jaded for the next time they want to go buy something and everything? So I don't know. I go back and forth between that. What do you think? I agree, man. I, I agree. You know, I've had people who sell podcast products message me about buying their podcast product. Like they will literally come to me and say, hey, do you want to launch a podcast? And I'm just like, I already know you're doing this wrong because you didn't even research me as a prospect. Uh, so I do give people credit for trying. But when it comes to developing products specifically, I always tell people this is the thing you should do. First of all, you need longevity. You need to put some time in and whatever you're trying to do you need some time if it hasn't been at least a year you should not be selling a product on it just the truth then after that during that time actually what you should be doing is helping people for free yes i said free because that builds trust and you're going to learn more about the market you're going to learn more about what people want you're going to learn more about yourself and how you can actually help people because i've done what i've done for so long now i know I don't like work, working with certain podcasters. Like if you have a comedy show, I really don't work with those people very well because they're kind of all over the fence about what they want to do. That's not my type of client. You only learn that kind of stuff over time. And then the funny thing is if you just work with people a year for free, at the end of that year, you'll have like 20, 30 testimonials of people talking about how great you are. Now you come up with your first product. Now people are actually going to buy from you because you have proof a year proof of you helping people. I think people rush this part because they want to make the money. They want to get paid fast. But what it does is it stains your personal brand for a long time because if you're not prepared to serve those clients, what are they going to do? They're going to tweet about you and say you're a scammer or somebody's going to say, oh, they're not good at what they do. Now you literally lose out on all your prospects because you didn't take the time to build your brand. So you got to kind of feed your brand over time and kind of let it build and grow into something special. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking on growing something, uh, you mentioned you're doing another podcast um, network. What um, what did you learn from the first one that you attempted? Oh, my God. So much, man. I-, I learned that 
I was a terrible manager. Like I just wasn't good. Um, <laughs> like, um, I also learned that when you bring people on as talent, you have to treat them as talent. You know, you can't treat them as friends and try to be too cool with people. It has to be a, a relationship where I have to run the show and you have to be a part of this. This is, I have a program I'm running. When you agree to be a part of this program, you agree to be a part of the program, meaning you follow the process. You don't get to come in and make things your own way, right? Um, I also learned how to broker deals. That's when I really learned how to go to a company and say, hey, look, I want to, because we had 30 sponsors for over 12 shows. So it worked very well. Um, I learned how to sell four shows at once. Like, hey, I have four shows. They put out two episodes a week. We can run your ad as a pre-roll on two and then a, a, a mid-roll on other two for the next two months. Here's what we want to offer you for that. Here's what we're willing to charge you for that. You know, and negotiate that deal to where other people are getting paid. And I don't even have to be a part of the content. You know, for the longest time, I wanted to do something like that. The network was the first time I actually made it happen. Um, and that was really fun because I did it multiple times. But then I also learned when you make money, you can't pay people up front for a job they haven't done. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't because I did that and then people stopped producing content and then I got sued and it was just a big headache. So I learned a lot, man. That was just uh, it, it's crazy how that happened because I did it so bad. I was like, man, I'm not doing another one till like 2023. 20, I didn't want to do it for a long time, man. Like I really was kind of. I didn't want to, um, yeah. but uh, iHeartMedia reached out to me in March. It was like, hey, we want you to launch a podcast network. So they got my show, The Personal Branding Playbook. They're like, look, launch a network. And we got this one going. We already have five shows. Super excited. Um, and for all you thinking about it, I didn't even say the name. I'm not marketing like the Milestone Club Podcast Network. That's what it's called. Um, and I'm launching another network in December. It'll be a business podcast network. So, um, man, it's just nonstop projects, man. Yeah, man, I'm getting exhausted thinking about this. <laughs> so all these different shows, and then so the milestone. Okay, so the what's what's the difference? So the the business one is just different types of business shows, right? So the business show we're gonna do there is we're gonna have one big company, and all the podcasts will be connected to that one big company. Okay. Right. So we're gonna have different shows that service small businesses in different ways, and we're gonna sell services to those small business owners that are subscribed to the podcast mm -hmm. simply. Now the, the milestone club is more of a lifestyle network. So we have um, a family show on there, you know, have a couple doing a show. Um, we also have true crime. We have a sex positive podcast. We have a, a couple of different shows that are just out there, man. I really wanted to kind of go different because everybody's doing sports or business. Um, and I want time to build a business network the way I want it to be. Um, so they're going to be completely opposite and different from each other. And um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to do it again. And I'm excited that iHeartMedia wanted me. Like the fact that they reached out to me was like, every time I think about that, I'm like, wow, like why me? You know, but um, yeah. and it's years of work, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll definitely be paying attention because I, I in the back of my head, I had ideas about a, um, like a, a health and performance uh, network and, and lifestyle. So I'll be watching what you do and then uh, let's see what you're, 2020, maybe 2023, 2024, I'll be ready to do something. So, but, um, but yeah, man, that's, um, that's really good to hear. And I think there's a lot of takeaways that you can, that you can listen with that is that, you know, your initial iteration did not turn out how you thought it was going to be, but you still was a lot of things you could take from that molded you into where you currently stand right now so there's no such thing as failure it was only feedback and lessons and that's kind of how the same way i am and it's kind of the same approach that i preach with clients and people I, I advise is that there's really no such thing as failure unless you just stop there's going to be constant iterations like i think i've iterated my business and philosophy so many times and um, it's it's I think it's a constant iteration. It's a constant evolution. As you grow, your business is going to evolve as well. Yeah, it, it's part of growth. Um, and I'm glad it happened then because what I learned as a podcaster has helped me for so long now, man, like in so many different ways. Um, and now can take that information and go and build multiple networks. And now mm -hmm. I even know how to make 10 times as much money. You know, I know how to make a podcast worth six figures. 
You know, I know how to get my hosts paid to where they're making, you know, like I said, covering monthly expenses, you know, three to $5,000 a month. You know, I know how to get us there. And I'm, I, I, it sounds crazy when I say it, but I'm happy that it failed. I really am because I don't think I would have learned nearly as much had it been successful. Like for a long period of time, it was going really good, but it didn't reach a peak. Um, not what it could have been. But mm-hmm. I, again, I'm just so happy it didn't, man, because now I have a much bigger platform. Um, so I'm just I'm excited beyond belief, man. I know yeah. I'm doing a lot. I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> no, no, no. I I've, I spoke to some legit crazy people. Um, we're, we all got a, we all got a little different craziness in us. Like um, I'm probably crazy probably when it comes to the aging spectrum and and pushing you know that kind of stuff. And and so I got some crazy stuff that I'm kind of doing on that end. So <laughs> so we're all crazy on different ends. <laughs> So no, no worries about that. Um, you know, I I, um, I kind of agree with you, and I, I relate to that. Is that I wanted success sooner, but I just thought about the younger me. Even though I'm still by chronologically, I'm still young, and uh, biologically, <laughs> I'm, I'm still young. But uh, I thought about if I would have had all the success I wanted at like 26, 27, just right off the bat. I would have been, I would have blew it all. Cause then I was yeah. still, then I was still, I was still working out and, and all this stuff, but I was, I would have partied a lot. I, I would have partied, I would have partied a lot. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, and plus I needed to be humbled. I needed to be humbled because up until that point, I haven't really had any really just times where I just failed. Generally, anything that I put my mind to, it was just instant success for me. Pretty easy. So I needed to be humbled. Right. And that, that, that happens, man. That happened to me um, when I was playing basketball. Um, I had one time where I was I went to like a training camp um, and Ron Artest was a coach. So they just let you know the level this was on. Um, <laughs> th- yeah. And um, that was actually a pretty fun day, man, because he actually showed us how Kobe steps and stuff. So that was mm-hmm. I use that in the gym all the time. I'll be killing dudes with that one, man. <laughs> but I had to go against this guard who's like a pro guard. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm about to play on this team and I'm this good and I'm all this. And I got my ego is boosted, man. That dude cooked me. He was a a pro. Like he had been like, he finished like fifth in MVP voting or something in the, in some Euro league or something like that. And he went to work and I was like, all right, let me just relax a little bit. I got some work to do. (laughs) Yeah, totally get it. But, um, as we get ready to wrap this up, I'm going to do a few rapid fire questions. So, um, the first one is what are maybe, two to three books that have had a major impact on your life. literally looking at my bookshelf right now um i would say number one is the alchemist that was like the first book that got me into entrepreneurship i think that's Mm -hmm. the book every entrepreneur should start with um another is blue ocean strategy not because i follow the entire formula it just helped me think differently and doing things in a different way and i've kind of taken what the blue ocean strategy is and put into podcasting and that has helped me tremendously um another book Oh man, that's tough. I would say Robert Greene's books are at the top of my list, man, because he all of his books have like a different message. Him and Malcolm Gladwell are like two of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. You know, so The Outliers is one, uh, Mastery is one. Not actually, not Forty Eight Laws of Power though. I don't really no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so th- those are the kind of the writers and the books that are at the top of the list for me. Yeah, yeah. I actually, you know. Sp- Laws of Power was good, but I kind of knew that just from other previous books. There's a lot of the books he referenced in there I've already read beforehand. Um, I think I thought the Art of Seduction was good. And yeah. I know people people yeah. don't talk about that one a lot, or they think it's just for women or something. I thought it was good because it's really people skills, actually. It's, That's it's, all. It's, That's it's, all it yeah, is. It's, it's really just people skills. So that book taught me a lot about people. Exactly, and and, and I think. For me, I'm also 
not uh, oh another book that's really good. It's called Built to Sell. Really good book. I'm not a reader. Like I read the entire book to say I read it. I read and get what I need to get, and then I put it down. I rarely finish books, honestly. I just read what I need to get. As soon as I get the idea and inspiration, I'm off. I don't read a whole book. That's rare. Oh, I wish I could do that. I think that's. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. No, I, 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 but I think I, I, I read just for like pleasure a lot and procrastination for me. So I got to be careful because I can just, mm. I can just, I could just read four or five hours and without a blink of eye. I can't. See, I, if I read for 20 minutes, I get an idea and I have to go work. I can't read that long. It's, yeah. It is crazy, man. That's crazy how opposite we are on that. That is wild. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But, uh, you know, but that's why. But like I said, I, I bet the, that you're much more willing to take action a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. I'm willing. Yeah, I'll where, jump out the window, man. I'm crazy yeah. with it. Whereas, like, I'm be, like, let me think about five or six different scenarios. And then I'm going to try to strategize all this thing. And then I'll do it. So I think... I think there's strength in, in that approach, but there's also strength in my approach. So it's, it's a even balance as well. Yeah. But, uh, so the next thing you hear is let's say, um, pretend you got a glass, a bottle of wine or coffee or tea, whatever your drink of preference is. You're at a round table. There's three seats there and you're going to join them for a group for a discussion. What three people in the would you invite at that table to sit with you? They can be dead or alive and it has to exclude family. Okay, I, I like that you put exclude family. I like because I know most <laughs> people go to family. I wouldn't say family, but I know most people would. Yeah, um, number one for me, I'm, I want to go with interesting people who I would love to interview. Like this would be like a group interview for me. Okay, I would love to have a discussion with, and this is going to sound insane. You got to clip this because <laughs> got a crazy <laughs> list. Number one, Malcolm X. Got to have Malcolm okay. X, one of the most polarizing people ever. Then. Kanye West. Just those okay. two alone. That's going to be a crazy conversation, I think. And that would be very, very insightful. Those two alone would be amazing. Number three, got to be Kobe. Got to okay. be Kobe. I mean, it just, I would be crazy not to. So Malcolm X, Kanye, and Kobe. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. And all those people are people, if you describe them, one of their traits would say, all these people have vision out into the future. And it's kind of a reflection of how you took podcasting and had vision for it. So this question's undefeated. Typically, this question always tells you who the person is, and it always matches up. Hmm. Yeah, always matches up. That's a good point. That is that is a good point. I like that because that's <laughs> that that's factual, man. Because I, I do think all of those people, uh, all those men, had the um, ability to see what they wanted and kind of create that reality. Um, Kanye, people call him crazy for it, but he's been right, successful. Mm -hmm. I think Donda is going to be an amazing album. Um, and I'm doing that, you know, it gives me an idea. I'm doing another thing that I, I, I'm super excited for on the personal branding playbook. I'm creating the personal branding hall of fame. Hmm. So I can put people like Kobe in there. Some people like Kanye, um, people like, like Issa Rae, she's going to be the first person I put in there. Well, it'll be like a special episode, mm -hmm. um, and then even a blog post to just kind of, I want to create this thing to kind of show people what personal branding is and what better way to do it than to constantly showcase people from across history that have had amazing personal brands. Man. So me and you are connected on this. So um, I'm doing a segment soon on, on my show where um, I'm doing different like historical figures and I'm bringing lessons relating it to health optimization a little bit mm. of business as well. So the first one I have coming up is I'm doing JFK because he's he's one of my favorite presidents. So I'm doing JFK and then I'm doing a um, That's so dope. Me Motu Musashi. He's uh the greatest swordsman to ever live. So I'm doing lessons on him but uh but yeah, so we do think alike on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh before we leave, uh where can listeners keep up with more on your latest adventures and everything? Uh, man, the best place to follow me is on Twitter, uh, the coach Chris underscore. Um, also subscribe to the personal branding playbook. Um, and if you want a copy, you want a copy. If you want to get the bundle, you want any of the courses I have or anything like that. Just DM me, ask me any questions, love helping people. Um, also do personal brand audits. If you want to talk about your personal brand, that's free. You get 30 minutes of my time and we can plan out what that looks like for you in the future. Um, and again, follow me on Twitter, please. That's the best place, you know, or 
Or you can email me info at thecoachchris.com if you want to ask direct questions and you hate Twitter. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> Twitter's uh, I have a love hate relationship with it, but um, love hate man. I, I, I'm yeah, I have a love hate with it, but I think it's um, I, I I've committed to being more active on Twitter. I think it's the, I think it's probably the best platform, even though LinkedIn's more applicable for me. But that's a whole other story. But um, yeah. anyway, listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And as always, stay awesome, be limitless, go be superhuman. Peace. <laughs>